Hi, this is Kristen Cabrera, reporter-producer from the Texas Standard. One of the coolest things about working on the show is getting to tell stories from my community, like this one I did on high school UAL Mariachi. But you know, this is Texas. You'd be hard-pressed to go a week without hearing. Dun-dun! Listen anytime to the Texas Standard, wherever you get your podcasts. From KUT and KUTX Studios... Welcome to This Song, the podcast where artists talk about the songs that changed their lives and give us a glimpse into their creative process. I'm your host, Elizabeth McQueen, and this week on This Song, we'll be hearing from Beth Ditto. Now, this episode does have some adult language in it, so if you have kids around right now, you might want to, like, send them somewhere else or maybe save this for a kid-free listen. Before we get started, I want to give you a quick update. Last week was South by Southwest, and like, obviously, I'm totally exhausted, but I had a great time. I recorded a live podcast with Dessa. It's an excellent conversation. And I also got to talk to a ton of other people like Knox Fortune and Lido Pimienta and Thomas from Ghostland Observatory. And I can't wait to share those interviews with you. You can hear the Dessa interview next week. So if you are not already a subscriber to this podcast, then go ahead. You can subscribe from wherever you get your podcasts and you will get next week's episode delivered right to you as soon as it comes out. And now to Beth Ditto. She used to front the band Gossip, a band known for mixing punk and dance music to really cool effect. The band broke up in 2016, and in 2017, Beth released her first solo record, Fake Sugar, a record that chronicles the complexity of love and relationships and heartbreak through songs that blend, like, all the genres, the rock and punk and electronic music, and at the core of Fake Sugar is Beth's incredible voice, a voice that can break your heart and knock you out all at the same time. Now, Beth Ditto is from Searcy, Arkansas, which... A lot of people make kind of a big deal out of because, like, not a ton of badass queer musical icons hail from Arkansas. But for me, it's a big deal because I, too, am from Arkansas. I grew up in Little Rock. Cersei's like an hour away. And I was psyched to talk to Beth because, honestly, Arkansans are kind of few and far between, like, outside of Arkansas. We were able to bond over all kinds of things like Shared places, Juanitas, Whitewater Country, Branson. Like, if you're from Arkansas, you'll get what I mean. But we also bonded on the complicated feelings we had about the state that we grew up in. Both of us live in other places. My family left when I was 10. I live in Austin, Texas now. And she left after high school to move to Olympia, Washington. And she told me about a song that helped her deal with those complicated feelings. Um, I picked I picked Mississippi Goddamn. You know that song, Nina Simone? Oh, yeah. The name of this tune is Mississippi Goddamn. Because of how powerful the words are and how sadly relevant they're still today. And I mean every word of it. Alabama's got me so upset. Tennessee made me lose my rest. And everybody knows about me. 
deeply political and it's, it was written in 1964 and like on the civil rights movement was like like really taking off and like really building up steam but also like when it was very violent and very dangerous for african-american people living especially in the south hound dogs on my trail school children sitting in jail black cat cross my path i think every day is gonna be my last the the clan was still very 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 like violent and vibrant and like living and active and like there were a lot of murders and like the birmingham bombing and um she wrote this song in response to all of the things that were going on don't tell me i'll tell you me and my people just about do I've been there so I know you keep on saying go slow It's not even as sad as it is angry the frustration about it is what I love the most That's just the trouble Washing the windows Picking the cotton You're just plain rotten You know, it's just to the point where you say, and so Southern, too, to be like, God damn. I was already really politically, like, motivated and, like, really felt um, like I was a part of some kind of resistance, like, ever since I was a little kid. But that song, this was when I was in my early 20s, really made me think, um, it really connect. I really connected to it. Like there's a line that says, "You don't have to live next to me. Just give me my equality." And like I remember hearing that line and just being like, it just feeling something and just completely. I don't know. It just changed me. You don't have to live next to me. Just give me my equality. Yes, exactly. You don't have to agree with me. You don't have to like me. But you will treat me, you know, I will be your equal. And whether you like it or not, we are equal. So I did I did really relate to it. And I think that was part of the reason was because of being gay and growing up in the South. Do you remember the first time you heard it? Uh, you know, it might have been on a mixtape someone gave me. I, I think someone gave it to me because I was from the South and I definitely was fresh from there and had so much resentment and so much anger and, like, couldn't really, I don't know, articulate it or, like, hadn't really... It was just still very fresh and raw. Um, but at the same time, it was, it was funny because I didn't know I had an accent until I moved away. And, like, um, so it's funny. It's, like, the thing that kind of made me crazy is also the thing that people also loved <laughs> at the same time because <laughs> I realized how country I was and I still realize how country I am like still it's funny but that song really helped me I don't know make sense of my own feelings even though it's like about a completely different issue and you know like I am a white straight looking girl from Arkansas and definitely that had its has its incredible privileges and I'm super aware but that song really I felt really connected to. Had you ever heard Nina Simone before you heard that song? 
I had before I heard that song, but I hadn't heard that song. And I definitely hadn't heard her in Arkansas. I think the first time, actually, the first time I heard Nina Simone, I want to say it was um, Four Women was the first song I ever heard. My skin is black My arms are long My hair is woolly My back is strong Strong enough to take the pain Inflicted again and again What do they call me? My name is Aunt Sarah And my roommate, who actually, my, my ex, who my ex-wife, is the person who played it for me. Um, but I remember, and I thought she was a man, which, I, which also was super intriguing to me and made me really, really happy. And she's like one of my favorite singers for that reason, because she doesn't have, you know, she's not Aretha. But the other thing that she has is like this charisma and this mysticism about her and also this blatant activism. There was no, it wasn't this pop culture love. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like she was breaking into like the top 40 every other day. It wasn't Motown. It wasn't, it, it was classically trained, beautiful piano and an education that she definitely had to fight for, you know. Like, it wasn't easy for her to get. And I think North Carolina is where she's from. She's from one of the Carolinas. And I also think she was somebody who was running away. Like I said earlier, Beth Ditto is from Arkansas, but she left the state to move to Olympia, Washington when she was 18. One of the many reasons she left, she said, was because of the overt racism that surrounded her. You know, like, my, I remember the vice principal of our school, and there was, um, like, a, one black kid in our whole shop class, and... um. And, you know, he didn't give a shit, and neither did I, and neither did most people in that class, but he really got singled out, of course, and um, his, I remember the vice principal was also a shop teacher, and I remember overhearing him in the office saying one day, um, I don't know why, you know, he could set such a good example for his race, and that's, I remember just being like, oh, like, fuck this, and f like, fuck, the fuck that guy, and just, I remember being like, like this, I gotta get out of here, <laughs> like, um, that, that, I mean, that wasn't the only one, but, like, that's just kind of the environment that I grew up in. Like, racism was just, it was, and, you know, like, it's not that it's over, but it was just, like, I, I just knew that I couldn't stick around there. And that mindset, though not as prevalent as it was when she was there, still remains strong in certain parts of the state. You know, when I was driving through, the last time I was there in Arkansas, the last time we were there, I was driving, um... And they were just like, we we're on our way to, I think, it's, I think it's Harrison, is it Harrison? On the way to Branson. And there, it's just like white power billboards, like billboards that are just like, one literally read, diversity is white genocide. Oh God. For real. And the other one said, um, white, pa white power radio. <gasps> like for real. I mean, you're just like driving through, just driving to Branson. You know, you're just trying to go on vacation and like, it's... 
I just, it, it, like, I think my sister told me, I'm not really sure what the statistics are, but that it has the highest, like, clan activity in Arkansas. It also, it has one of the biggest Mexican populations in Arkansas. So, I'm just like, God. That's um, wild. It's just so upsetting. Like, you know, like, not just upsetting, it was, like, infuriating. But, yeah, so that's, I'm just like, man, this is why I don't fucking live here, man. <laughs> This is why I don't live here. She got out of Arkansas, and she had a 17-year career with gossip, and she and the band toured the world. She got married in 2013, and then, around the same time, her relationship and her band broke up, and she found herself returning to the home she had been running away from for all those years. You know, I had this thing happen. Like, my wife and I aren't together anymore. In, like, a couple years ago, I had this really sad you know experience with her before we broke up and it was just really like it's all over the record and it was just a really dark time and I I just knew all I you know I had to be away we had to split for a while so I moved I didn't move I went back to Arkansas for like a month and I just sat in my sister's house and my sister and my mother live literally across the yard from each other and so um I just sat at my, like, I just needed to be around them and just to feel some, like, familiarity and some comfort and to feel far away from my problems. And the heartbreak that I was going through was all over the record. And, like, I felt really grateful to my mom and my sister for, I don't know, not just, not taking care of me. Like, it wasn't like I was this weak flower, you know. I got up every morning with my niece. I drove her to school every day. I got her dressed every day. I picked her up every day. And it was just a really great distraction. And I felt useful, you know. Um, I could, like, go with my mom on the weekends to, like, stores and, like, you know, like, to garage sales or whatever. And it just gave me this connection to home that I needed and forgot about, that your family is really important, even if you're not, you know, even if they live in this place that you can't that just you can't th survive in or thrive in and they can it's like it doesn't mean anything they're still your family two sisters I just felt like it was like this reconnecting I think you can really tell on the record I don't think it was a conscious decision but when I look back at it I think that's why is because that's when I really started to conceptualize it like writing the songs and the melodies and a line here and a line there just like down there when I was having a really hard time and you had gone through kind of more than one breakup right I mean you you were breaking up with your wife and then your kind of best friend and Band. musical collaborator Nathan yeah Nathan and he'd moved back to Arkansas back. yeah he didn't just move back he moved back to Cersei I mean like he moved back to the farm literally moved back to the farm and and that was really difficult for me because it made me realize that we were on two different planets um and he was it made me realize one oh my god he can and survive and feel safe and I couldn't do that you know, and that made, there was, you know, I was just like that. We've always, so that's always been there. And I don't know, really, I don't think it's a negative feeling, but I think it was like a wake up call. Um, but, you know, he had this calling to go back to God and go back to where he's from. And those two things 
not only do they not appeal to me, but those two things are just impossible to me. And um, that's what he needed to do. But also, you know, it's like that, like him becoming born again or whatever and like all of that stuff that didn't, that's not what drove a wedge between us. Him moving back drove a wedge between us because it literally put him 3,000 miles away. And it's, you can't be in a band with somebody like that. You can't be in a band that far away. You just can't. It's a, in, like any other long distance relationships. It just is not going to work out. And, you know, and that's what happened. So, I, yeah, that was being, you know, gossip breaking up was probably one of the biggest breakups I'll ever have. Like ever had, honestly. That was the longest relationship in my life. It was long. It's the longest job in my life. It's like, um, it's the most productive thing I've ever done. It was my entire adulthood. Um, you know, my leaving home experience and the only way I'd ever traveled the world. And you, there are these people that you spent literally more time with than anybody else. And, you know, that's just gone. And like, I, you know, I still don't think I really mourned that, but that I think a lot of the love songs and sadness are about Nathan. For sure. You can spare me your lies, spare me the details. Don't mention her name. But have a decency to tell me we were lost cause. Is this a losing game? But you were carrying on with guilty pleasures. Was I not? This new record, Fake Sugar, it was very personal. And you talked about how, you know, you were going through this time with your ex-wife and you were processing a bunch of stuff. You were hanging out with your mom and your sister. Um, At the same time as all of this, like, turmoil is kind of happening in America. Did that make its way into into the work? No. Um, Maybe there are things that I haven't realized made it in there yet, but, like, no. I just didn't feel... I think I was just in such a heavy emotional place that it just didn't even register because it was so all-consuming, you know? And that's, that's, I think that's really, that's really what it's about mostly. It's a very self-focused record and I usually don't do that, but it was like the only place I could be in at the time. And so it just, it kind of took over. Push my buttons, I'll be patient, you can try me, it's just another day in the life. No, you're not getting respect that you deserve, feeling buried alive. This is In and Out from Beth Ditto's new record, Fake Sugar, a song that really gets at the heart of the dynamics of long-term commitment. Like, I really love this song. And Beth Ditto, she's on tour right now. I'll post a link to those tour dates on the show notes page for this episode at KUTX, along with a link to Fake Sugar, so you can dig on the album before you go to see her live. And making this episode, it helped me in a couple of ways. Like, first of all, We're going through a scary time in Austin right now. A young white man targeted our city with bombs. Two men, Anthony Stephen House and Draylen Mason, were killed. Others were injured. We've all been terrified. And as of now, we still don't know what the motive behind the bombings was. But 
Many of us have a sense that it has something to do with the divided political and cultural moment we live in now. Listening to Mississippi Goddamn, listening to Nina Simone express her anger and frustration at the cultural moment she found herself in, well, it gives me words and a tune for my own fear and exasperation. And listening to Beth Ditto talk about her feelings about the South, a place where the people she loves live, but where she cannot, in her own words, survive or thrive. Well, again, it was nice to hear someone voice the feelings I sometimes don't have words for. And that's it. You've come to the end of another episode of this song. This song is a production of KUTX 98.9 in Austin, Texas. This episode was produced by Art Levy and me, Elizabeth McQueen, with help from Aaron Waltz. Aaron is also our social media intern, and she's doing a great job. Kelly Seal is our excellent intern. Thanks to Deidre Gott and Peter Babb and Todd Callahan for all they do for this podcast. And it is true. Our theme song is Mahout by Austin's own Hard Proof. Right on. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time. Next AT Explained live show is April 3rd. Brand new stories about Austin's people, places, and culture told live on stage by your favorite KUT journalists. I've never gotten any specific invites from Steiner Ranch. And that's about the time Charlie chomped down on that chicken. I will hypnotize you into securing my law services. Join us April 3rd at the Paramount Theater for KUT's next AT Explained Live. Tickets are on sale now. Get them at austintheater.org and we'll see you there.